Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, and welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to be talking about Dragon's Lair. Ooh, one of my faves. But before we do, uh, I've got a couple things I need to get off my chest, Aaron. Oh, boy. Well, okay. What, what's the problem, Boat? So, you know, we try and keep it mostly positive on this show. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to have to be negative. No, no. Uh, so, you know, I, I was feeling, <clears throat> you know, a little little generous, uh, and I decided to support those fine folks over at Amiga Forever. Oh, great. With, uh, oh, Cloanto. Yeah, with uh, purchasing of the value edition of Amiga Forever. Oh, okay. I've not is, heard of it. This, you... it's, the, it's basically the one that you can download. Cor- yeah, you, and, um, I understand. So I downloaded it, and, uh, you know, it, it comes with all these games. Yeah. And at first, you know, I thought, well, this is cool. It's coming. I bet they talked to all the rights holders, and they got all these games. And no, they're all cracks. They're all the same ones that we play. <laughs> so, well, I, I never... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, that that was the first sort of disappointment. The second one was the first game that I tried, Arkanoid. It ran super fast and was unplayable. So I was I was just, I was not happy with Amiga. But I could, I could live with it because I thought, you know, at least you've paid for, you know, Kickstart ROMs that are legitimate. And that's something good. Well, I go to load up Dragon's Lair. And uh, I start up WinUAE, and I get this error. It says, standalone playback of the selected content is not enabled. You can upgrade at any time to unlock all the features of the Plus Edition. Signed, Amiga Forever. Mm. So what Amiga mm. Forever does is it scans your hard drive somehow and finds your WinUAE installation mm-hmm. and proceeds to make it cut off certain features. Oh, my. Mm, I was um, not aware of this. Yeah. And so I'm just telling all of you all out there in listener land, uh, at least with the value edition, um, you know, if you want to download it and support these guys and you, so you can have legitimate Kickstarter ROMs, that's fine. But uh, be wary of actually installing it on your system. So what what you're saying here is, what you're saying is that you downloaded this uh, legitimate copy of, of uh, the value edition of Amiga Forever, and it actually... Wouldn't let it, it prevented you from just running UAE outright without their package being involved. It let me run it, but it threw up that error. What? It, what? And what? What do you think? What was the error again? Well, it wasn't an error. It was a pop-up screen. Yeah. And it said standalone playback of the selected content is not enabled. Uh, you can upgrade at any time to unlock all the features of the Plus Edition. Mm. Now I don't know what any of that stuff means. But uh, it also was not letting me uh, run, use the Kickstart uh, ROM that came with Amiga Forever on WinUAE. It would only let me use it through the Amiga Forever package. Now, as I, re- as I recall, and again, I, personally, I've, I've looked at the package. I've not ran it as a user because I just, I've got an Amiga. Uh, but uh, I think their ROMs are a larger version of the ROM. I've heard, uh, it seems like I've heard that it's a, I mean, it's a legal ROM, but it's a slightly variant, mm-hmm. and 
there could be something there to it. I don't know. And so, and so what I had to do is I, you know, I searched obviously, and I found out that uh, you have to delete a DLL file from uh, Amiga Forever to get it to not, you know, put that error up on your WinUAE. Really? And what did that work? And it worked. Um, but uh, <coughs> that's nothing. You know, it just it just you try and do the right thing. And then, you know, when, when after doing the right thing, it's somehow worse than doing, you know, the gray thing, uh, it's disheartening. I will say this. I'm going to be a fair man here. Uh, if if uh, a representative of Clo- uh, Cloanto uh, hears this or is notified and something weird is going on or, or they have an explanation for it, I'd like to hear it. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't like the fact that installing a package would mess around with your other independent features, but maybe there's a reason for it, the Windows reason that I don't know about. But that is sort of shady. Maybe they've got the rights to those games, but that is also kind of odd that they would have the crack stuff in there. It's odd. And I know the their larger packages has more stuff. So it's it, it is odd to me. Well, I I don't want to get a flame thing going here, but it's odd to me that a company that is very uh, fervent about their kickstart ROMs would also have pirated stuff that they're distributing with their package. Now again, there may be an explanation. I'm going to look into this, and in a couple of weeks, maybe we can maybe we can have something more definitive. But that's interesting. Yeah. So if you have any more information on that, feel free to write into the podcast amigos at amigospodcast.com. Uh. The next thing. So enough of that bad news. It's time to get back to the positive. All right, good. The kickoff World Cup has taken place. The kickoff two World Cup. You remember talking about this a couple bet, weeks ago? I bet this is quite a manic, uh, a manic tournament indeed. <laughs> so uh, as we talked about uh, when we did our kickoff two episode, uh, the kickoff two World Cup was held in Dublin, Ireland. All right. And uh, it is over. It is done. And congratulations to Andy G from England for winning. Aye. Uh, Ars Technica did a great write-up of the uh, the Kickoff 2 World Cup, kind of the culture surrounding Kickoff 2, and uh, why people are still playing it after these these many years. Great article. You know, Ars Technica, usually they've got some, some pretty good tech writing. And uh, so I'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, it's, it's over and done with, and uh, I guess the bids for next year's Kickoff uh, World Cup are being put out there. Uh, it's interesting. I found out that uh, Sweden narrowly lost the bid. For, I will say, uh, hopefully, it's it's... The bids for where to hold this World Cup are less uh, shady than the actual World Cup, <laughs> yeah. as we know. I will say, we both uh, we both turned the corner on this game on the live stream. I mean, as, as a solo act, as a single-player game, I, I was not down with the clown. But as two players, it's wacky, manic soccer fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I did enjoy it. Now, it's I would never... I don't know how these guys get good enough to be in a World Cup. And maybe you'll have to go watch. I'm sure there's a YouTube video of this, and I'll have to go out and check it out. And I'd like to see people that are really, really good at this play it and see if it looks like a crazy time that we had. And you know what's funny is, you remember when we played, the score would be a one to nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. These these scores, 13-14, 17-18. These guys smokes. are scoring like manic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. I'll link to it on the show notes. Beautiful. And, uh, so, uh, that's the the World Cup news, and in related news, um, I thought I'd stick both of these news items in here since they're both relatively recent. Uh, Dino Dini, the man of Kickoff 2, yes. uh, his, um, his Kickoff Revival game is still on its way to the PS4 and the Vita. 
Uh, so he's hard at work on that. And not only that, there's a new sensible soccer game coming soon. <laughs> See, that's of course there is. So the feud continues, unabated. <laughs> yeah. So this is John Hare. He's the uh, one of the original developers for Sensible Soccer. Now he's calling it Sociable Soccer, I suppose, because he no longer owns the rights to the Sensible name. Um, but, Stupid uh, name. But Sorry. this is well, is Sensible name is Sensible Soccer Sociable a good game? Soccer. What are we going to do? Facebook while you're kicking the ball. I don't know. Get it out. So. Uh, this is a brand new article. Well, it's not brand new. It came out on uh, no- or November 26th is the, the article I'll link to in new the show enough. notes. Um, but <clears throat> basically, he tried to do a Kickstarter for the new Sociable Soccer. He wanted 300,000 pounds. Reasonable. That's what about the half a million bucks U.S.? Yeah. Right. And uh, unfortunately, he only got about one-tenth of what he needed. Holy He smokes. got about 30K. That surprises me because people love that game. Yeah, yeah. So, But he says on his page that development continues. He's already got a prototype coming up, and he thinks that he's going to be able to publish it through normal, non-crowdfunded means. Uh, you know... That's that's weird, isn't it? I mean, you think a game like that. I mean, you hear about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess people moved on from the Sensible or Soccer series. They're still playing the Sensible Soccer that they've always loved on their Amiga. You know, what May- was, what was the platform that he was going to? This release? was going to be on the PC, the Xbox One, and the PS4. Maybe the Sensible Soccer God didn't ever upgrade their stuff. Right, right. You know, you might be onto something there, but. So, but uh, the good news, though, is that, like I said, development continues on that, and uh, he seems real positive about it. I saw the screenshots and uh-huh. saw a movie, and it looked good. It looked like so, an updated So, he's got version. something that moves and works? Yeah, and it looks uh, it looks retro, but updated. You know, it's still that bird's eye, top-down view, but, you know, the models are a little bit more detailed. They're full 3D models and things like that. I hope so. they both get realized. I like the idea of these old Amiga soccer games uh, coming back into style. Of course, I guess they never went out of style into a certain uh, group of people. But Right, right. Yeah, yeah, there's room for two good soccer games. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just a little bit of Amiga news this week. Uh, now we're going to move on to our game, Dragon's Lair. So, uh, Dragon's Lair, as uh, I'm sure many of you know, first achieved fame in the arcades. It was a Laserdisc video game published by Cinematronics in 1983. Oh, yes. I remember when it came out. (laughs) Uh, It was actually based on uh, this technology that this guy was trying to sell. And I can't, I didn't write this down. I I think his name was this Rick Dyer. Is this the and guy? His, he had the, his, uh, flip, my, his flip book. Yeah, it's movie. like a flip book yeah. thing. And, uh, you know, he's trying to pitch this idea. It's not working out. You know, he, he took it to all these toy companies. They, they said no way. And then he got the bright idea that maybe what he needed was animation, you know, real top-notch animation. So he hired uh, Don Bluth, who uh, was, uh, he came up through Disney, but then, you know, he made his own animation studio. <laughs> and at that point, he'd only done The Secret of Nim. That was, of course, he's done so many films since then. Yeah, he, he worked for Disney for quite a while. I believe he worked on the Rescuers and, and a, a bunch of other movies. And, of course, after that, went on to do, uh, I think he did American Tale. Yeah. Uh, he did, uh, what was that awesome space movie uh, that, uh, oh, boy, it's killing me, too. <laughs> Not Space Ace? No, no, no. Well, Space Ace, obviously. But he, he did a uh, he did a space movie, an animated movie that okay. was really good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Bluth's a, Bluth's a hell of an artist. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, um they they developed this game on a shoestring. It only cost a million dollars to make, and I mean that's not very much money for so, a fully animated you know production. Titan AE, yeah, that's, oh, Titan that's AE. the game. That's, that's the movie. There yeah. you go. Um, that is cheap. Yeah. So there's some some kind of funny things about that. Uh, they couldn't afford to hire any actors. 
So the, the, the guys in the studio just did all the voices with the exception <laughs> yeah. of the narrator. Um, and uh, they couldn't afford to hire any models for the animation. So you know what they used? Mm-mm. Playboy magazines. Yes. So oh, the, for Daphne. Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Daphne, she's a looker, all right. Good and choice. It's easy to see. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, it's the, the game was, uh, of course, most famous for being, uh, well, it's most famous for a lot of reasons, but it was the first arcade game to cost 50 cents. And uh, that was partly in because that was partly because the hardware that it was running was so new and so expensive. It was the first game to use the laser disc format. And these cabinets, I didn't realize this, they actually shipped with the original laserdisc players, the first laserdisc players that came out. They were junk. We're putting these machines. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, it's not necessarily that they were junk, but they were being asked to do something that normal laser discs. Yeah, they were consumer products in a in a uh, in a world where they're going to get beat to beat to hell. And not only that, you know, whenever you watch a movie, most of the time that laser just skip, you know, it just goes right on through to the end. Yeah. You know, in in Dragon's Lair, every couple seconds, sometimes it's going to be skipping around and. Those machines just weren't made for that. I know if you did you get how did you get to play this much in the arcade? Mode? I never play, I've never played this in the arcade. Really? Have you ever played a cabinet at all? No. Let me enlighten you, sir. I was around when the uh sadly, I was around the arcades in eighty three when this stuff really caught fire. Mid twenties, mid thirties. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if this is the first laser. I'm not sure. It's because I know uh Sega had a game out called uh Oh boy, Star Ranger, something Space Ranger, and it was real close. And I, I think this might be, you might be right there, but it, there's a, in case someone wants to jump on us, I'm not 100% sure about that. But, uh, Space, uh, Dragon's Lair had the, uh, had the real clunky, well, like you said, it's not the laser discs fault, but the thing was, they beat, was beat down. Of course, what are people doing on arcade when they get mad at a machine? They kick the hell out of it, they punch it. And so, and you could you could make the disc skip by kicking the crap out of the machine and get weird results. I've seen that plenty of times. But these things were often down; mm. they were broken all the time, and and often when they weren't broken, they were jacked up. Like, you know, the joystick would be mashed. This this game made people angry. <laughs> I've seen people just beat the tar out of this game. I mean, of all the ones I've seen in the arcade, I've seen all the big laser disc games. This one took a more of a beating. I don't know if because it was new, people didn't understand the technology or how you played but they would just crush this game so they, uh, it's a real collectible now people you know as you know you're in the arcade business they they go they go crazy trying to get these laser disc games but i mean back in the day you'd be hard pressed to find a, find a cabinet in good shape or a laser disc that wasn't all mashed mm, <laughs> so that makes sense uh these things sold pretty well uh, for a year, at least, uh, in 83. <laughs> before, uh, before everything tanked. You know, well, you know, 83, that was the year of the big arcade crash. Yeah. And uh, In America. Yeah, in America. And Dragon's Lair was, was marketed as something that you could use to raise your, your falling revenues. Uh, so they uh, it says, uh, in July 1983, 1,000 machines had been distributed, and there was a backlog <laughs> of about 7,500. 7, um, and then by the end of 83... Uh, this uh, publication, Electronic Games and Electronic Fun, uh, rated Dragon's Lair as the uh, number one arcade game in the USA. Um, it grossed, reportedly, uh, over $32 million for Cinematronics. So, Cinematronics did all well and did, did pretty well. Well, the, I'll tell you something. When this game came out, this was amongst the first. It definitely was the first time I ever paid uh, two quarters to play a game like you mentioned. 
this game had a massive crowd around it. It was so massive that they, they had installed a screen on top of the arcade machine that people could watch the game being played, which that was the first time I'd ever seen that. Now, I saw subsequent LaserDisc games do that, but, I mean, you couldn't get through the crowd to, to, to play the game. It was massive. I mean, it was a big moneymaker. And unlike a lot of arcade games, when I, I saw games when they would be popular, the arcade would simply get another one. These were very expensive I guess that I never saw any place that had two Dragon's Layers or two Space Aces side by side. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that these things were pulling in big money. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the Don Bluth uh, sponsored, uh, not sponsored, but the Don Bluth produced Laserdisc games. The success of them were short-lived. Uh, by eh. the, the, the middle of 84, you know, Space Ace had come out. It it did not do as well as it is Dragon's Layer. Uh it definitely didn't have the uh, the cachet that the Dragon's Lair did as far as the number of ports that it got and things like that. Well, I'd say by now it's got, it's pretty well ported. I mean, if you think about it, those games have been... <laughs> uh, Space Ace? Space Ace is on, on a lot of the same places that Dragon's Lair is. I mean, Sega CD has a CDI, or CD. Well, okay. The, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess and direct, the PC and, and Amiga. Direct ports of the arcade game. The Atari it, ST. It didn't, it didn't have the craziness that Dragon's Lair did where they would take the IP and port it over to an entirely new game like oh. they did for the, the Nintendo. Or but the it game probably got lucky and, for that. Yeah, though. it's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> So uh, that's a little background. You want to add anything else to the? the well, I'll, I'll tell you. I I was obsessed with this game as a child. Um, like I said, it came out in '83. That I was about uh, 12. Right. The first time I saw this game was when I was watching Entertainment Tonight with my parents, and they had a commercial in there for it. And no game got that. And I was like, "Holy smokes! What is this?" You know, everyone was imp- impressed. And uh, just to see it and play it, I mean, it really. I, I had to have it. And I told myself then, I was like, I will buy any computer console that can play this game at home. And uh, for a while, I thought the ColecoVision was going to do it. And to a certain degree, the ColecoVision, the Atom did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've ever played the Dragon Slayer on the, on the Atom. But it, Coleco had promised a laser add-on mm-hmm. that would play these Laserdisc games. Uh, it never happened. It never panned out. And uh, here comes the Amiga, right? out of nowhere I'm at my buddy's house he goes hey look at this he puts in the disc I was like holy <laughs> I gotta have one that's when I turned the corner on the Amiga I'd seen other stuff I was like eh, I had to have it so this game indirectly made me buy an Amiga so I, I it holds a special place <laughs> uh, speaking of the Amiga version let's talk a little bit about it alright um, it was a large game. Uh, you know, they did a lot with compression and to, to try and get the size down. Uh, but it still shipped on eight discs. Uh, so that's not as many as some games, but more than most, I think. I think there was a six and an eight. Okay. I've, I, 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 looked, I saw two different sets. I, I, seen, I own this game. Uh, among other reasons, it was impossible to copy these, these. I mean, I'll give ReadySoft credit. They were texture was unbelievable and it worked i bought <laughs> i've got space ace and escape from Cinch's castle and dragon's lair and uh, uh i think there were two two different sets a six and an eight but again i i tried to confirm that and i couldn't mm-hmm. i've seen two different sets that you can download so there's at least and i don't know what the differences are to be completely right, honest right. with you uh i uh i downloaded the eight disc version mm-hmm. um and uh you know the the game looks 
for being on a console, you know, coming out, this came out in 89 on the Amiga. Computer. Or being on a computer, sorry. Um, this is, uh, you know, it looks great. It really does. Uh, you know, obviously it can't <clears throat> hold a candle to the original, but it's it's a serviceable, uh, it looks great. I mean, it really does. Uh, it does. The, the, the bad part about the Amiga Dragon Slayer is that uh, it didn't include all of the screens not even close, <laughs> and uh, and you get a lot of repetition because of that. Yeah, and um, and it just kind of leaves you feeling, it, you know, maybe if you hadn't played the arcade version, you might you might feel better about it. But just you know, flipping the stage so it's backwards doesn't count. Well, the arcade did that, to be fair. Uh, but um, my problem, my biggest problem with the Amiga version, I didn't have any problem when it first came out. But when you look back on this stuff, it's a lot like Defender of the Crown. Okay, it's the same thing we said last time. You kind of look back on it now. You're like, eh, you know, it's pretty. Looks good, then. But, but I mean, at the time, you just never seen it before. Dragon's Lair at home was astounding. It looked, it looked really good, and nothing else could pull it off. It sounded like the arcade game. The screens that it featured looked like the arcade. You know, they were super low res, and they weren't all there. Uh, and it, uh, it, uh, but it was good enough, and nothing else was close. You know, but the problem, the big problem, was so many discs. Uh, you would sit there, and this is before we had the uh, advantage of the hard drive hacks and the or the you know UAE to do the disc swapping. I've sat there and just swapped those discs over and over and over, and you end up looking at the disc swap screen more than you look at the game, mm-hmm. uh, and it just. It's disheartening, and it, I mean, in some ways, it, it provided longevity to the game because after a couple plays, you're like, okay, I can't do this again. And you put it down, and then later on, you're like, I'm going to give that Dragon Slayer another try, <laughs> you know. But the, the amount of discs, <clears throat> and this would be revisited time and time again on the Amiga with your Mortal Kombat and your Street Fighters and all the big adventure games that would come out when you're swapping that many discs, plus the the, the possibility that one of those discs is going to go south on you when you've got a six or an eight disc game and disc four breaks. You're screwed, yeah. <laughs> and so and I had that happen to me a bunch of times on various games, and you just you would either play up to the point where it didn't work anymore, or you just would give up, and it was frustrating. Uh, all that said, this was a an achievement uh, of, of an enormous magnitude to take the beautiful Bluth animation and distill it down into something that could fit on a computer. I mean, this ran on the OCS. It was a uh, it was a brilliant feat to get it down to the where it could even be on six discs. If you consider how how big this would have been on a laser disc, and the artist did a fine job. I'd say disc swapping aside, it's a it's 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 also too short. I mean, when you boil it down, you're probably got I don't know how many minutes of animation, maybe five. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not, not counting the flipped screen. That's a lot. That's not much. So the gameplay, you know, it's funny if you put the. Uh, disc swapping in there you're in, you're a half hour gameplay you know? <laughs> but without that you're in for you get you're looking at five minutes of gameplay probably not enough mm-hmm. right yeah yeah um <clears throat> so uh the i wanted to talk about one of the i was reading about the different ports and uh you know the nes uh version of dragon slayer was uh profiled by the angry video game nerd oh yes and uh but uh i want to talk about the game boy version which is i think it's quite brilliant well, do you know this? 
Uh, the, the Game Boy version is actually... Now, you may be thinking of... Are you talking about the original Game Boy version? I'm talking about the one that's basically like the arcade. Okay, this is not that. That one's quite brilliant. I mean, to, to <laughs> compress it onto the Game Boy, was I couldn't believe it. it this is good. this this game is called Dragon's Lair the Legend. Okay. And um, it's got it's got the protagonist. It's got Dirk. It's got Mordok the villain. You're saving Princess Daphne. But <laughs> the game is actually a port of a five-year-old ZX Spectrum game called Roller Coaster. <laughs> oh. The result being a platform game where Dirk has to negotiate a series of thinly disguised fairground rides. <laughs> so, wow. No, I have not played that. That so is that's that, wacky. I, when I read that, I was like, boy, I got I to gotta mention that on the podcast. You know, I, I found something else wacky. Uh, going back to the Amiga version, and I don't know if you... And I didn't know this until I was doing some research for this. In, inside the, uh, uh, if you're if you were trying one of the coders that were trying to hack these games back in the day to pirate them, the uh, people uh, from the main that manufactured the game put a message in there. Did you see this? It's too. It's and it's a. It's. I'll read it. It says a message to crackers. Nobody wants copy protection. All it is designed to do is give a program a fighting chance. Now we realize that there is a great competition to see which group breaks this game first. However, if you do break it, please consider this. If you let the game out early after release, there are a few sales and it will be dis- difficult to justify a follow-up game of this type. Nobody benefits, not the developers, not the users, and not the Amiga community. Please reconsider holding on to it for a while and not letting the game suffer. The decision is yours. So I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was kind of neat because no one would see that unless they were in there trying to right. hack the game and they knew it. Uh, and you know, this game wasn't one that none of the none of the ready soft stuff. They they had something on the discs that was. I saw a few programs that could hack them, but you know they had really good copy protection, mm-hmm. and so their copy protection held up. I mean, for like I said, almost all my like all my stuff's originals, or at least a couple of discs of them are originals because you could they couldn't be copied. Yeah. So I will give them credit, but I thought it was neat that they actually. Uh, you know, put something in there to uh, to to sway people from 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 pirating the game. Um, I had a chance to look up what the game's going for now uh, on eBay. Uh, really, all over the map. Box copies are there; not that difficult to get. Um, I saw the discs go ten bucks, and the box sets go anywhere between twenty five and seventy. So, if you're looking for a copy of this. I mean, it's definitely available uh, out there. Um, if you look at who at who actually made the game, which we didn't touch on this, but uh, uh, ReadySoft, they pretty much did all the uh, all the laser games. That's pretty much what they did. I mean, I, I'll, I'll look over the list of what they did here. The only things I didn't recognize were Wrath of the Demon. Um, I, I'm not familiar with that one. Scary Mutant Space Aliens from Mars. I need to look at that one. That's a good name. Yeah. Uh, Guy Spy remembered Space Ace, of course. And then Dragon's Lair, we should probably go into this briefly, is that uh, uh, Dragon's Lair had, uh, I don't even want to call it a sequel. It's more like a part two, which was called um, Escape from Singe's Castle. Uh, I believe you could link them up even. And it's more stuff from the arcade basically and they added a few things like a maze and some other like a kind of i guess i could say original content to it uh but uh um it's basically if you take those two games smush them together you're coming close to emulating the arcade in its entirety mm-hmm. you know i've got both uh 
Singes is a little more refined. The interface on these things is kind of goofy, but it works. You know, it's 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 very basic. Uh, what did you think of the overall gameplay? I mean, did you think it stuck pretty well to the? Yeah, I mean, I'm still not very good at it. Yeah, you know, it just it's it's a game where you really have to learn those screens and you have to know exactly when to do the things. And uh, you know, I I enjoy playing it. Um, <clears throat> it seems like a perfect game for that you'd want to play you know on the go you know on a phone or something like that you know real light and uh, i did look there is a iphone version android versions available so um but yeah it is what it is you know yeah and uh of course dragon slayer amiga one of the few computers that could pull it off they 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 kept the ball rolling well like i said dragon slayer uh the singes castle then they did dragon slayer time warp which is uh you know more of the same uh space ace uh, then they did uh, what's something they called Dragon's Layer Three, which was had some system exclusive. They had some exclusive stuff that didn't really appear on anything else. Uh, it was just a weird amalgamation of scenes that had been cut. I think there was one new scene added that featured a pirate ship. It was mm-hmm. some stuff that had been cut from Dragon's Layer Two Time Warp. So really, in a lot of ways, Amiga is home to the Laserdisc movement. I mean, in a yeah. weird way, it's got it's got the it's got the goods, you know. Plus, original stuff that ReadySoft did that was Laserdisc esque, like Guy Spy. So. If you're into that stuff, those are all interesting titles to check out. Uh, again, the gameplay's there. Uh, your scenes aren't complete. But if you just want to get a taste, a sampling of that arcade feeling, it did the job. Uh, the uh, Dragon's Lair is not dead, uh, aside from the numerous remakes and Blu-rays. Oh, yeah. And, and we'll never everything. die, right? But uh, there's a new game that is uh, in the works. Uh, are you aware of this? I was aware of the movie Kickstarter, but not a new game. Well... That may be actually what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is Dragon's Lair Returns. It is it is a movie, right? Um, and uh, they, uh, so they so I've read that the ga- a game would soon follow, so I'm assuming that would be one and the same. Yeah. The uh, they launched a Kickstarter for it back in October. Yeah. Which was uh, supposed to raise uh, about half a million dollars to cover the cost, not of the movie itself, but uh, kind of a, a you know a sizzle reel, right, To show right. this was it was kind of wacky. Yeah. Uh, that that failed. Yeah, uh, they, and they were asking for quite a bit of money. Yeah, they they only raised half of what they wanted. So uh, now <laughs> they've done the ingenious thing of now they've launched an Indiegogo campaign to raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So they're they're they, all they want is what they wanted the fir- what they raised the first time. They just need a new avenue to raise it in. Um, I'd like to see that happen. There uh, in the old days. Uh, again, I'll go back to Shane Armand Rose's show. He interviewed Don Bluth, and he he was friends with a lot of guys in the Bluth group. There's a script that's been floating around for years for a Dragon's Lair movie that uh, that is not what they were pitching on on Kickstarter. I guess they've scrapped that old script, but uh, it's been something that's been sort of in uh, Hollywood hell for a while. So, you know, I like to see them get something off. Blue's animation's beautiful. You know, Secret of Nim was great, Titan AE. He did the animated part of Xanadu, if you ever saw that, which I thought was pretty neat. Hey, I'm old. I, I never saw Xanadu. Oh, you're missing out, Bo. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so let's let's all pitch in and see if we can get Bluth over the top on this, and I think I'll throw him a couple bucks myself. Yeah. Uh, we don't really have a score this time. I'll just we'll just say that you won. Uh, I'm sure you can get farther in this game than I can. I well, and, unless the discs don't want to read, because <laughs> I actually was reading this off the disc. That's the biggest nemesis. Well, of I, I thought to be fair to this game, I'd want to review it with the discs being involved, and it was exactly the way I remembered it. It was, <laughs> it was a lot of waiting. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, and uh, Brent Dowdy. And uh, this was his request. Yeah, this was his request. Uh, if you'd like to request uh, 
us to review a certain game, uh, head on over to our Patreon page. And uh, if you throw us some cash, we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> so, I'll literally do whatever you want for money. <laughs> so uh, that's Dragon Slayer. We hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to be back with one of Aaron's favorites. This is uh, Sword of Sodan. It's, uh, it's uh, it, it, underappreciated, I think, but we'll we'll see if it's worth the uh, what I think it is anyway. <laughs> All right. Until then. Adios. Adios.